When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Good morning, everyone. Today is Friday, December 9th. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And Brendan? Yes. Hello. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm a little are tired. Are you? Are you lying to me? I'm lying to you. I'm miserable right now, Corey. Like, I I tried my best. I went down to downtown San Diego to, like, just try to get a shortstop. Came back empty-handed. I'm a little worried, Corey. Do we think that the reason the Cubs didn't get a shortstop is because Carlos Correa saw you at the meetings and was like, this guy? No. I hope not, but, uh, you know. It's pot. We can't rule it out. Can't rule it out. I might be I don't blame. think Carlos was there, but we can't rule it out. You can't rule it out. Maybe Scott he, Boris saw you. Maybe he like, knew I was Ugh. going down and he just decided not to come. Maybe I am the reason. Right. So this is an interesting time. Everybody is heading home from the winter meetings. Uh, as the, the the usual caveat, you know, you're hearing this episode early on Friday morning. Any breaking news, the crew will get in there and we'll do a live episode on YouTube. Uh, there's always the chance that there's new rumors by the time you're listening to this after we've recorded, et cetera, et cetera. So that is the nature of uh, producing content in a time where things are happening very quickly. But Brendan, it's so I, I went into the CHGO studios three times this week with I our know. guy Ryan Herrera doing uh, wonderful coverage for all CHGO.com out in San Diego. I so saw I was, Ryan, by the way. I know you guys talked about that on the show today, but uh, Ryan and I hit it off, Corey. He says he likes that, me better than you. He didn't say he that. He did that. He said that multiple times, actually. That. He did. He did not say that. Yeah. Uh, but I was doing my best to fill in uh, in his chair uh, in the studio. So there's a lot of episodes already this week. We also did uh, kind of a, an instant reaction episode on YouTube to the Cody Bellinger signing. So plenty of content over on the CHGO YouTube channel and, of course, on this podcast feed. If you want to hear more of the reactions to that, Jamison Tyone, we'll talk to Brendan. Of course, we'll go into the Pitch Lab with Jamison Tyone and, and talk to you about that. Uh, but it's an interesting time because as we discussed on Thursday's episode uh, I did with Luke and Cody, Monday was about as optimistic as I have felt about the direction of this team in a long time. And maybe Same. I'm an idiot for believing oh, in, I bought in, 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 in those that rumors. so much. The Bogart-Stansby combo rumor, Corey, right. messed me From up. Mark Feinsand, 
You had Gordon Wittenmeyer even saying maybe that could happen. You, they were in on Correa. You know, you had the report that Tom had greenlit spending money to make the team competitive. However, Jed wanted to do that. Scott Boris is saying Tom's drum is ticking, whatever that phrase was. Right. And, you know, here we are, however many days later, and it's it's a real 180, man. And I think you're you're with me on that. Um, So I've talked enough on this feed. Uh, I want to get your feelings. Uh, How do you feel... There's still two shortstops available. There's a lot of good talent that is still available via just free agency, let alone exploring any potential trade markets. Uh, But I have to imagine that you, like everybody else, were kind of thrown for quite the loop in terms of your maybe optimism or pessimism when you see that Xander Bogart's contract. That was the big ticker when you see $275 over 11 years for Xander, when the projections were seven years, 180 to 200 million, to be blown out by 75 million is absurd. The market is absurd. So immediately my thinking is, okay, now do the Cubs, did they plan for this market? Did they Were they on page with what was going to happen? Because if they weren't, oof, I am really worried because their margin for error in competing for next year and the following season, it's slim. There are so many holes on this roster. There are potential concerns in the upper levels of the farm system with Canario's injury and Brennan's back injury. Concerns in that you don't know if you're going to get immediate value in the next year or two. And that leaves me with a huge overwhelming sense of uncertainty because going into the offseason, I think you guys talked about this, but going into the offseason, the the idea that not getting a shortstop would be a bust was pretty much spread throughout all of Cubs Twitter. I think I thought that there was maybe a way for it to work out where you don't get one of these shortstops and the team is competitive, but you need a hitter. And right. The market is really kind of blowing me away. And there's also an additive effect to this because this is a new market. It's a new baseline. This means the following offseason will kind of balloon off of this. It's unpredictable. And when you look at the cross when you look across the Cubs organization right now, you you see uncertainty. We you see the uh, prospects spread throughout the system. You don't see how you can get immediate value in the next year or two. I don't know. I don't know how it works. It it, it honestly makes me way more um, motivated to make Correa the most expensive player in in the league. Because just given how Dansby or uh, Bogarts markets worked out, Trey Turner's the pitchers. You, you have no choice. Like my thinking was always along the lines that Xander w- was going to get, you know, 200 million. That's not what's happening. So because of that, you have to change how you approach improving this team. And right. if you're not going to spend money on Correa for 350 million, I, Corey, I don't know what other player fits the traits to deserve that money. 28 years old, a way above average contact rate, uh, top tier power potential 
athleticism, uh, lauded as being a good clubhouse guy, despite some of the controversy with the cheating and all that stuff, but inside respectful clubhouse, like lauded as that, and plays shortstop, can move on to third base, second base if needed, and he's athletics, fast. Like, wh- like what else would you spend money on? Yeah. So if not now, then when? Right, and I think that's that's kind of the thing, and you know, I, well, so so here here's a, a leading question into the the point that I want to make. In a vacuum, how comfortable would you have been? And I again, the market is the market. Well, that's that's what I'm getting to. But how comfortable would you have been if they gave Xander oh, that yeah. contract? Well, no, I'm glad that you asked that because I'm like, just curious. I didn't I didn't I didn't say this on you know when I was talking a couple seconds ago. But the the biggest unsettling aspect of this is I would not give Xander that contract. But it's unsettling not because of that, but because that's the way the market's turning out. And the Cubs right. may have no choice. Like, of course, right. giving Xander a contract with 41 years old is is probably not responsible. And so the idea that the Cubs are going to go into this offseason and with a slim margin of error for improvement, and now you're getting bombarded away with the market, that is what's leaving me really concerned. And you can have the best plan in the world, I keep saying this, but sometimes it doesn't work out, and it, the execution just doesn't happen. And you can say, oh, it's, you know, Jed's screwing up, and he sucks and everything. Like That may not be true. Like Sometimes crazy stuff happens. It's not really in your control, and there's nothing you can do about it. That is what I hate. The fact that the Cubs may not be in control of this, that is what concerns me. Yeah. So where I was going with that is that it it creates a pretty interesting conundrum, right? Because you have a situation where the market is the market. The going rate for players is the going rate for players. There is nothing that you can do about that. If there is somebody that is willing to get nuts, then somebody's willing to get nuts. And if the player wants money, they want years, and someone's willing to do it, they're probably going to get the player. It's pretty rare that we see a guy say, well, I got this crazy offer, but I just love this place, right? So I'm just going to stay here. It it creates an interesting spot where I would look at that Xander Bogart's contract and I would say, boy, like, I don't know how comfortable I would be. And of course, you guys know, Brendan and I, the usual caveat, right? The Cubs have all the money in the world. None of this should matter to them, right? But they impose a budget that we all don't agree with, and so that's how we're operating in this conversation. So given that, that contract may create some problems for the Padres down the road. How how good and how, how effective Bogarts is for the length of that contract is going to be very interesting, but I would have concer- great concerns about at least the second half of that contract, right? But then you then you move into like okay if that's Jed's philosophy he doesn't want to do those long years as you said Brendan like when is the right time and how do you go about building a good roster if you're unwilling to meet the market right and it just gets a little confusing as to how you're going to do that you can make trades you can sign reclamation projects and hope that you can figure things out with guys like Cody Bellinger. But if the other teams in your league are willing to say, hey, we don't care about this, we're going to go get the best players available when they are available, and you're not, you're you're making things so much harder on yourself. And then it really becomes like, all right, well, how good at this are you? 
Jed, because if you're not just going to spend money and meet the market where it is, like let's see your savvy here, right? Because mm-hmm. it's not that easy to build a, a successful roster yeah. that way without doing that. And you know, then you also get into the element of, and people might say, oh, well, you know, the Rays figure out ways to do that. We're not the Tampa Bay Rays. That's a joke if that's what we're even talking about. It's nice to think that Jed could be savvy and develop players and all that. And I think they've done a good job of that, but that can't be the direction that we're taking. It's a joke if that's what we're talking about. So it's, it's a tough spot, right? But ultimately, the Cubs have a lot of positional needs, and there are particular players available that really hit check those boxes. They are available now. They will not be available next year. You have to strike now, or you're left with nothing and hoping people applaud you for not having a bad contract in 10 years. And I got to tell you, Brendan, like, I don't care about the Cubs payroll 10 years from now. We'll deal with that in 10 years when you and I are still doing this podcast and driving each other nuts, <laughs> you know, a couple times oh, a week, boy. right? But yeah. like, that's that's the interesting spot where the market has gotten to a point where I think it's fine to be uncomfortable with certain deals, but then you're just not going to get the player. And that makes things a lot harder on yourself as an organization. And it, it it is unjustifiable as well for the organization. And we, you know, all the stuff we've talked about, right? The market they're in, their Forbes valuation, the ticket prices they charge. Y- you can't have it that way. You have to be willing to do the things that go along with being a big market organization, whether they make you uncomfortable or not. The, these have trickle effects that they, they have consequential effects the the way the cubs operated in the previous offseason not signing some of those pitchers let's say for example maybe not going out and getting gossman or carlos rondon i know but i have to i'm That's not going to be emotional about that right now but even to cody's point like they didn't go out and get correa last year and right. you know this market's going to explode right. so the reason that I I'm left with this like ugh this like this this unsettling feeling is because I don't know what the next offseason is going to bring and the way that the Cubs are operating now they 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 could be operating under the assumption of what is a, a likelihood right one of the questions I have is to what degree did they predict this market because if they missed this market Corey if they did not anticipate it being so hot it's a huge miss. That yeah. is a mammoth miss. Sure. And those who are in the front office who are projecting this at that executive level, not like the player development, not those guys, but those who are actually on this financial side, you have to question if if they are the viable guys for this. If Jed comes away empty-handed in in a weird way, I think you do have to question his ability to do this. I don't, I don't think that would dead be serious about this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this and, is, I, I think that we've been pretty fair with uh, the trades they've made and and how they've operated under under the assumption that that wasn't necessarily completely Jed's choice, right? At certain times, in terms of having to shed money, things like that. And I think they did quite well on a lot of those trades. And the system is better. Their drafting seems better. The spending that they've done to improve their infrastructures, both on the hitting and pitching side, 
at the lowest level of the minor leagues up until the major leagues, you're clearly seeing the payoff of that, right? So those are good things. But this is this is part of the game, right? And they were left behind there, by the way. Like, yeah, it's really, I love seeing them catch up and now be at the forefront and you're hearing Tommy Hattie talk about that. And that's that's great. But unfortunately, it took a lot of pain to get to that point. And you don't want to be left behind again. Right. So the the Theo was the best at this. This was Theo's signature uh, executive style was predicting the market, finding those market financial mm-hmm. inefficiencies. Unfortunately, he wasn't the greatest at uh, development because that you know that rapidly accelerated. That's fine. That was never his skill set. But he was the greatest at getting beyond those market inefficiencies. You can think about that in the international draft. A lot of those moves helped the Cubs get um, Miguel Montero and uh, uh, roll this Chapman because he was ahead of the game blowing out the international market, um, going with a heavy hitter load in the early 2010s in the draft, you can criticize the later rounds, but that ultimately led to a World Series championship. And then going out and getting and buying pitching work, they had the healthiest rotation for almost half a decade. So that was Theo's, that was Theo's strength. I'm looking at Jen, I'm like, all right, man, like, man, you messed up that Wilson Contreras trade. Like that was a mess, that was a mess up. Uh, You're, you're missing this market right now. Like, oh man, like what, like, what are we doing here? I'm concerned. You know, as we kind of talked about on Thursday, like I do want to re, because it's still the case. I do want to reiterate, there's still a path there, right? There are still two shortstops. And from what we know, the two shortstops available are the ones that the Cubs have always been the most interested in, right? But the reason we're talking about this is because we're, we didn't expect no, this. Like, yes, we didn't expect the, this the market, reason, and now it's like, oh, yes, boy. The reason that the conversation, I think, for most of Cubs Twitter and media has kind of shifted this way is that the market seems to be crazy, and now you're at the mercy of that. You're also at the mercy of other teams who yeah. did not get what they wanted, right? The San Francisco Giants never did not be at the get mercy. Aaron Judge, and they have a lot of money that they plan to give to him. So now you're mm-hmm. at the mercy of even if you feel you made a, a beyond competitive offer to Carlos Correa, somebody might do something crazier. And if you decide not to do it, in the long run overall, maybe you're correct about that. But at the end of the day, the San Francisco Giants get Carlos Correa and try to win championships, and you're left trying to replace all of this in addition to having to replace Wilson Contreras and having to deal with him in your own division, which is all of your own doing, right? If you don't get Carlos Correa for, let's say he signs, let's say you do an extreme. Let's say he signs for half a billion dollars over 14 years, a crazy contract. You can make the argument, oh, you know, I don't want to pay Carlos Correa for that. That's fair, of course, but you don't have a hitter still. Like your team still is not good. And so you budgeted for a certain outcome in a fair market evaluation. It didn't happen. So now what? That That is I'm where it's really um, unsettling. Because we're talking about that now. Like even when we talk about Verlander and Bogarts, like Verlander got what, 40 million per year. The DeGrom deal is absurd. The Trey Turner deal is as equally crazy given he was projected to get 80 million less. And we're all coming away. It's like, oh yeah, you know, I understand why the Cubs didn't do that. Like it makes sense to not do those deals, but it doesn't make sense to have planned for uh, a, a cooler market because then maybe you look back in you know last year, last two years, even going back and looking at trading Rizzo or trading Darvish or whatever, and you may have operated differently. And the plan for the last three years was not optimal. And I'm looking at the market now 
And I, I, I feel as if we're trending towards that direction. Like, even if we go out and get Dansby for, say, two hundred and twenty million, man, I think that that's also a high degree of uh, of uncertainty. Just getting Dansby alone, and he's I, at this point. I think I may have to change my opinion on that. But like, that there's a lot of uncertainty there as well. It's it's it's. Man, I don't know, man. I hope over the next like two weeks we're talking about something differently. Yeah. But this this direction feels very weird to me. No, I mean, I, I I don't disagree. I think that this was just the clearest path to moving forward and you know making this team better. And it just gets a little confusing as to how that happens without it. It's not to say that it it can't, right? But you know, and and I think too, like I'm sure Jed will try to up the AAV and, and shorten the years. And maybe you can convince somebody to do that, right? But it, it's it's still it's still the same argument, right? You're still going to, and, and I think Jed is more comfortable with that, but you're going to have to get crazy with the annual average value, right? If you want to convince Correa not to get 10 plus years like these other guys, you're going to have to go nuts with how much you're paying him a year. I mean, and are this they comfortable point, if you doing give, that? We we don't know. Right. We we know that they're more comfortable giving more money than they are years, but how comfortable, right? Because that's right. if they're even willing to consider that, which maybe they're not. Like maybe both these guys are like, look, these guys are getting security for the next decade. I want that too. That I'm not sure, but we we just don't know how comfortable this organization you know we had the one report that the cubs want to spend money right and i think a lot of the beat writers somewhat corroborated that 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 there's seemingly uh some some room for that and uh but you know how comfortable right <laughs> like cuz if you're going to try yeah. to convince carlos correa to take less than 10 years like these other guys got i don't even know what that number looks like brendan if you were trying to right. convince him to take let's say 7 I mean, how much money a year are you talking? Well, let me do this ad read. We'll come back out. I want, I want to talk about Correa in that contract. Um, and I think I think me personally, like you kind of get lost with a lot of the like, oh, like the uh, acute emotional effect of these deals. I think for me, recircling back and looking at why Correa might make sense for like 40 mil per year, we have to talk about that conversation now because the market's changed. Cubs situation has changed. Like, like to me, Correa now given the market deserves that and we need to talk about the traits of why he deserves that or at least i need to think about that more but let me do this ad read and we'll come back out after and talk about it shady rays they never understood why sunglasses are so expensive so they set out to change it you don't have to break the bank for quality sunglasses this fall because our friends at shady rays have you covered shady rays are premium polarized Shades featuring world-class optical clarity, substantial durability, and styles cater to everyone and everyone's lifestyle. The best part about Shady Rays, they have the most insane protection program in all of eyewear, lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your shades on day one, they told us that they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Let's say you drop them in the lake, off a cliff, anything, they will replace them. Let's say you get upset, the Cubs have no shortstop, you accidentally get up fast, you step on them, and they will replace them, even if you just got them. Even with that strong of a protection program, they still manage to make quality shades that I can tell you holding in my hand seems just as good as any expensive pair that I've ever worn. Shady Rays customers do agree with over 200,000 five-star reviews. They also provide 10 meals to fight hunger in America with every order placed and have donated over 20 million meals 
To date, they stand behind their product and told us that if anyone has a problem, they throw profit out the window and they do what it takes to get it right. Free returns and exchanges. You either love the shades or Shady Rays will pay to ship them back. That's it. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is running their deepest deal of the season. You can use code CHGO for 50% off two or more pairs at ShadyRays.com. Buy one, get one free. You can get two pairs for as low as $54. Redeem only at ShadyRays.com where you can find all their newest and best shades. Our second sponsor here is Game Time. Game Time is the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. If you ever dreamed of sitting in a seat you never thought you could, like the 50-yard line at Soldier Field, courtside for Bulls games, behind home play for upcoming Sox and Cubs games, floor seats at that concert, it's now possible with the Game Time app. The biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seat you thought you could never buy for like me and and some of my friends we go to these games last second i used a game time app i know when i open this app that the prices made available to me are the best no questions asked i can get tickets just a couple hours before the game if i really want to go and those are going to be the best deal this app is created by the fans for the fans. It guarantees the lowest price. If you love CHGO, then you will love Game Time. The best way to support us is buying your tickets through the link in the description of this episode. You can join over 15 million people who have downloaded the Game Time app and score the best seats to all your favorite events. I guess you wanted to talk about the Carlos Correa contract or how you would how, well, how, how would you re- pitch it if you were trying to meet Jed's idea of giving less well, years. Let me let me let me pose a question to you first, right? You saw Judge gets nine years, three hundred sixty million. Let's say that that's what Correa asked for. Like that seems to be like a no brainer at this point. Am I fair to assume that? I or is that I think I don't know. I don't <laughs> right. know anything about so this market anymore. <laughs> But I mean, you just, you know, the 60 homer guy got 40 million per year. Like that's, you know, absurd contract. 40, 40 million per year is absurd. So the question is now, given everything, is is Correa worth 40 million per year? And I think contextualizing what he's good at may make fans who are on the fence, like there are also fans on the fence. I see this like on Twitter all the time saying, you know, I don't, I think it might be irresponsible to give that sort of deal to Correa at this point. The the way I think about it is you look at immediate value and the probability that Correa is good in the next four to five years is really high, 28 years old, but the best feature of his game, Corey, and he just turned 28, by the way, the best feature of his game is that he makes 80% contact, dude. So the major league average is around 74%. 80% contact is absurd. That's what you saw like back in the day of like Dexter Fowler doing. And he's able to have a ceiling of home run potential around 30 or so. And he's an intellectual dude. We've heard him on like, you know, MLB Network talking about some of the way he thinks about hitting and some of the data he implements. But the fact that he's not striking out the fact that he also sees pitches, he only chases at pitches at a 25% rate outside the zone. That's also five percentage points better than league average. He's above average both at chasing pitches and making contact on pitches while hitting the ball far and having that power potential. That is unique. That's a really unique skill set. Not many guys have that combination. And then you consider his defensive 
usefulness where he plays shortstop. He's been in the top percentiles for so many years at shortstop. He has one of the better arms at shortstop. You imagine that over the next couple of years, you can move him to third base because of that arm, because of that athleticism and not miss a beat. You probably can assume that his defensive value alone gives him at worst case scenario, a two and a half war floor. That worst case scenario. And then you look and assume, let's say he goes on a power dip, something that we were talking about with Jose Abreu. Let's say he hits like 15 home runs. Because he makes so much contact, the probability that he can have a batting average around like 270, 280 plus is really high. And he's also walking. So then you factor in, okay, what is the floor on just average offense with good defense? That goes up to like three and a half four. That's kind of what we're talking about with Nico Horner, who is was above average offensively, but not like, you know, killing the numbers. That is kind of what Correa would be, a three and a half, four war guy. If you assume in the next four to five years, like severe underperforming. So my thinking, contrasting that with Bogarts over the past few months, was that Bogarts was going to get substantially less money. I think the offensive projections between Correa and Bogarts were similar. I'll, I'll take Bogarts and keep Nico a shortstop and put Bogarts at third base. That's gone. Now, you can't think about that anymore. You have to look at what Correa provides in this market with this Cubs team, with the uncertainty. And if you're not giving him $40 million per year over nine years, even if it's 10 years, man, I do not know what the roster will look like in the next three to four years, how they can compete, because you have to do a lot of moves to make this roster competitive. Yeah, so uh, as we're recording this, uh, it is not related to the Cubs, Brendan. It is not related to the Cubs, but it does help us inform the market. Now, John Heyman (sighs) was absurdly wrong about something the other day, so I'm I'm saying this as I'm reading it, so if it turns out that it's not true. It's John Heyman's fault, not me. Although I'm getting this from Joel Sherman. Brandon Nimmo to the Mets. Oh, okay. Eight years, $162 million. Yeah, man. This is the market. That's a a $50 million over-projection number. He was projected to get $110 million over like five to six years. You are going to have to pay Korea close to $400 million. That's what it is. Yep. And you have to you have to do it, Corey. I'm being serious about this. You have to get Correa. Like if you get Dansby, you have to then go get Singa or someone else. Right. We'll it, talk about that in a second. That's what it is. But I look, to kind of um I'm with you on on all the Correa stuff. I, I think you know, ultimately where it is, right? I I understand people's trepidation about the long term deals. I get where you're coming from, but you can see it. You're not getting these players if you're not willing to commit huge money or huge years, and in some cases, both, right? So I, if you if you told me that they weren't going to do that, Jed is going to stick to his thing, he's not giving out big years, I, I'm, if, if there was a path to building a competitive team otherwise, I'm all for it, but it's just, it's, it's, it's very difficult. And you're you're sort of by default taking yourself out of a lot of star players if that's going to be your policy, you know. Um, I don't blame you if you look at an eleven year deal and you're like, no, come on, right? Who's worth that? Who who's going to be worth that when they're forty years old, right? I get it, 
It's a process but, that led you to saying, no, this is not going to make sense. It's a process to get to that point. Yeah, and like, it's, you shouldn't be in the position to say, this is not going to work for us. Right, and like, look, you know, the, the Cubs have done a lot of good work to build up their prospect system. They have a lot of good prospects on the way, but you got to supplement that stuff. You know, Luke put it really well on the show on Thursday, like the 2015 and 2016 Cubs who won the World Series, 2016. World Series, um, correct, Chicago yes. Cubs. People forget that. Mm-hmm. They developed a, a lot of really good prospects. They had a, just an incredible development and first and second years from Chris Bryant. Others obviously contributed in huge ways, right? But they also spent around that team. They brought in stars. John Lester was the star of that free agent pitching class, and he delivered on that contract. You also eventually oh, go and pay for John Lackey right, to join that rotation and give you depth and and veteran presence throughout that year where you end up winning a championship. You go out and pay for Dexter Fowler, right? You go out and pay for the World Series MVP in Ben Zobrist, right? And we've obviously, the, the contract has come up in these discussions, but you paid for Jason Hayward and that glove was very valuable. His bat was horrible, right? And the contract ends up looking like one of the worst things ever. Duh. That's why we're talking about all this. That's why everybody's scared of these long-term deals. That's why Jed is scared of these long-term deals. <laughs> but that that team doesn't win without all of those players, right? They don't. You yeah. you have to, and and so sometimes you're ready with all these good young players and that's the main building block of your roster like it was at that time. But you had to make those other moves and they were not all small moves. Those were huge moves. Huge moves, huge contributors from some of those guys that you had to go and spend money on. And if you're not willing to do what it takes to get those players, whether they're the biggest fish, middle fish, whatever it is, and how they fit into your roster, you're you're cutting off a major roster building tactic that other teams in your league are not restricting themselves on. So, you know, again, if there if there is a path that Jed is prepared to take, be it trades, other free agents, and you know, just stockpiling guys, whatever it is then that's what they're going to have to do. But ultimately, the reason that I think the discourse has shifted the way that it is is because the market is nuts and there's only two shortstop options left. And this team has a lot of work to do to get to the point where we're all remotely satisfied with where they're at going into 2023. And so I think it has a lot of people a little nervous because the path just doesn't seem as clear given that we're all not, I, I don't think, right, particularly confident that they're going to do what they have to do to get Correa. I would love to be wrong, but if you're, if, I mean, even you're looking at Turner and Bogarts, like, I don't think they would have given that contract. Well, they didn't. So right, but I don't think answer. they would give it to Correa. <laughs> you don't think they would give the Turner contract to Correa? Do you? You think I that mean, Jed they, would give I don't even a 10-year anymore, contract? Man. I don't. I know. That's the how. That's how messed up this situation. I would is, love to be right? wrong, but like I just am not sure I believe in that. You know. I mean, I like to look. I would like to think that I'm not that stupid. Uh, and I look at the Cubs roster and I see all this uncertainty, and I imagine that signing Correa for ten years instead of eight years as your preference is not that big of a deal. Like that's what I think Jed would do, but. Uh, you know, 
Uh, that's why I'm talking with you and not in a front office, but maybe Jed will be talking to us and not in a front office in the next couple of years as well. If this keeps happening. Like you have, like you have to make these uh, moves, Corey. I think at, at this point, I like circling back going into this off season, I assumed this would happen. Like I was optimistic because this in the, this was just in the back of my mind. I thought, you know, improving offense was like the easiest thing to do. I, I, because I, I, so many guys are on this market, they're all gone. Nimmo's gone. They're all gone. Uh, besides these two shortstops now. And I was concerned about the pitching side. I'm, I was concerned about, okay, how do you get a top shelf ace? How do you get a top shelf pitcher that can get all these whiffs? And that's no longer my concern. My concern is about staying alive and staying alive by getting one of these shortstops. And even if we get Dansby as the only guy, I'm still concerned about that offense. I'm talking to myself up right now, Corey. I am extremely concerned right now. If you don't get Correa, I don't, dude, I don't, I don't know, man. And you have to go out and, and make some crazy trades. And well, maybe I, that's possible. I, I mean, I think that, you know, as we talked about, like, I think that Dansby is a really good player. And I'm not discounting that. Yeah, no, I know. But I, I more, think yeah. that I, I do think that there are moves that they could make that would put them in a position to be a competitive team, which is really the, the yeah, baseline yeah, yeah, of yeah, what yeah. we're asking. Yeah. Be there. Well, I mean, trade like you, you do, you do have more air if you sure, just do of that. Of course, alone. but I, 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 what I don't want to do is move the goalposts just because we're a little concerned, right? And I'm not saying that you're doing that, but I, I, I don't want to do it. Like, there's still two shortstops left. The goal when we started was get one of them and build a team that can be competitive in this division in 2023. Fine, if you want to go nuts for 2024, right? But no more of this 74-win team stuff. Like, really put a, a competitive team out there. So I, I, I do believe that path is still there. I just I just want to point that out as we're, we're talking about all this. The concern well, is, is what it is yeah. because how the market is shaping out. But I the, the, the path is definitely still there. It's just a smaller one. And there's a lot of other people, I think, that are trying to walk on the same path that might push you out of the way i'm just so exhausted of like of like clenching because like when i say clenching i mean like oh like you know you feel it like you feel that there is just such small margin for error and i'm sick of coming on this podcast for the last three years talking and saying those those words margin for error i'm really exhausted by it and we're in this position now where there is uncertainty in how the market's going to shape up and there is not much room for error. The, the benefit about 2016 was that you could you could take some shots and you could make some risky moves, and they did that, and they were still able to be competitive. Like they missed out on that Justin Wilson trade. They were still competitive despite that. Like giving up Isaac Paredes and Heimer Candelario. Like they were still competitive, and they missed that. They missed most of those guys, most of those pitchers, and they still won the division. They still went deep in the playoffs in 2017. They can't afford to do that right now. That margin for error, that luxury is gone. And it's getting shorter and shorter and smaller. And I hate talking about this. Yeah, I I I get it. It's uh the way it is. I, I think it's 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 just sort you know, of course it is, but it's just unsettling to I I like the moves that the Cubs have made, and I do want to talk to you about Jameis and Tyone in particular. Um it's just not the order that's the most settling, right? Because I think those are good moves if they're not your biggest move, right? Yeah. And I, I, I think a lot of the unsettling nature of this is that 
there's still that big box to check. They haven't checked it, and other teams are already working way down their list, right? Like, I know Jed said that these, that Bellinger and Tyone were particular targets of theirs. I'm glad they got them. I think they're both good moves, but only in the right context, right? And we don't have all of that context yet. So it, it that's that's where all of this sort of unsettled feeling comes from, is that you're still waiting for that big thing, and it's not exactly clear what happens if that doesn't happen. Well, it seems just way more volatile, too. I would like, also that. guess that, you know, Brandon Nimmo's another player that's not going to San Francisco. I don't know if they were in on him, <laughs> but San Francisco was ready to do a lot, and they haven't done yeah. anything yet. They're, I would assume that they're not just going to pack it up and say, ah, well, forget it, right? We wanted Aaron Judge. Let's just go on home. So they're going to do something. Yeah. And like San Diego's going nuts. The Dodgers, at least right now, seem a little quiet. Uh, so if you're San Francisco, like now does, you know, I'm not full up on them as an organization, but if you were ready to go, you haven't seen anything that's changing your mind on that. You can't let San Diego just run away from you and LA at least is not being as crazy as everybody else. So maybe if you're San Francisco, you know, you're looking like, okay, we got to keep pace in this division. All right, break here. Then we can turn around and talk about some more positive things, I guess, Corey, but uh, break here for a sponsor, FOCO. Chicago, you've already got the best coverage for your favorite team, so get fitted out in the best sports gear around. FOCO has you covered from Soldier Field to the living room, north or south side, with hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. Get decked out like Damar with apparel from the leader in sports merch and collectibles, FOCO. Looking for the perfect gift for the football fan in your life? FOCO has you covered with hoodies to fight that Lake Michigan breeze. Check out FOCO.com or click the link in the description of this episode for all non-presale items. Use promo code CHGO for 10% off. Second break here from our sponsor, DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook the official sports betting partner of the NFL is my go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place the same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, point totals, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use code CHGO. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets. If they do, go listen to Cody. He always has his picks up. Maybe don't listen to Cody. I don't know how he's been doing lately with this gambling. I will never forget that he screwed me in that Purdue game about three months ago, but I'm sure he's decent. Besides that, only at DraftKingsSportsBook.com. You can use code CHGO. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. All right, Brendan. So, uh, going to get to pitching yeah. here in a second but to wrap up right i'm like scared you're going to announce bad news no i don't have anything else at least at okay. the moment your tone no, like kind no, of was trending no. towards that i i okay. just want to you know reiterate there's two shortstops <laughs> still there the reason that we spent all this time the, the the majority of this podcast so far has basically just been a, a, a plea they have to do this they have to yeah. get this done 
they have to figure out a way to make but it it's, work. And just to finish up, I don't want to keep talking about this because I know it's, you have a, you know, a lot to go here. But like the fact that we're in this position that we're talking about this, this is not just like an acute effect. This is a buildup of the last two seasons where yeah. uh, my mind is because you didn't make moves last year. You didn't make the moves the previous year. And now you're in this position yeah. where we are freaking out. And you, you're making, like, like the front office is making us look stupid and emotional. No, I don't think that's the case. I think it's the Well, we are, but... Well, yeah, I mean, we are, you know, we are like that, but like, I do think this is justified. Sometimes yeah. uh, maybe it's not justified, but this is justified for sure. In my opinion. Yeah. You, you've, you've put yourself in a position one way or another, uh, where there's a couple of really clear answers to some of your problems and you're relying on, on a couple things, which you can't yeah. necessarily rely on. You can't. Yeah, and that's, just that's can't. the position that you're in. Um, but again, there's two shortstops still out there. There are a lot of good free agents, offense, pitching. They can make this roster better, and they need to do it. That That's the ultimate point. It's not this offseason is long from over, right? The winter meetings just ended. There is a lot of runway here, but they have to execute. We all know that, yeah. and that's the pressure that they deserve to have on them. Let's talk about pitching. Cubs add Jameis and Tyone. I want to get your initial thoughts on that, and I also want your perspective on you put Tyone in that rotation. How do you feel about that rotation as is? Do they need to add more? Do you expect them to add more? How do you feel about things with the addition of Tyone? Yeah, I like Tyone a lot. He was my guy at the start of the offseason just because you have that stability in him, you know, the ability for him to go multiple uh Times through the order, the ability to have in the past many seasons to go 25 plus starts per year. He's done that four times now. Uh, the extreme control is walk per nine was under two batters last game. Like that's what you want. You want stability in the rotation, and the Cubs didn't have that um, before they signed them. He also has some potential to improve some of his pitch mix, although I don't think that is necessary per se. And you do risk perhaps changing what is good. Uh, but if you want to look for areas of improvement, you could look at that slider. So he does throw a slider about once every five pitches. Uh, he throws a curveball about once every, you know, I guess 15 pitches or so. And he leads with a dominant four-seam fastball. He does have a cutter, does have a sinker, does have a changeup. Those are just his three least used pitches. But that's six pitch types. Love that. Love the diverse repertoire. Love that because there me- that means there's room to optimize one of those six pitches that might allow him to get above average. Right now, he's an average pitcher, which is still very valuable at that price. But the way that maybe he can be even better is let's take that slider. Right now, it rates as league average by stuff alone on the 50-80 scale. Um if you improve some of the horizontal movement on that, perhaps you can boost that to like slightly above league average. And with the really good ability for him to command those pitches, he's a standard deviation better than the league at hitting the edges, which is about uh, top 15th percentile or so in doing so. He's very, very good at that. So if you can improve some of the stuff and the ability to locate, then you're looking at uh, an above league average pitcher and perhaps scratching a territory that Strowman's in um, right now. That's what I'm looking at. The, the There's been some comments on his four-seam fastball and his cutter. His cutter has a lot of um, uh, good uh, induced vertical break. Uh, it's, it is better than most. The 
ranking on that pitch from stuff alone is still league average. So uh, there's just not spin efficiency going on. And if you look across all of his breaking pitches, he doesn't he doesn't get good spin efficiency. Um, why that is, I'm not sure. It's possible that Tommy Hadovy and, and, and Daniel Moskow and that infrastructure can identify maybe ways to improve that. But let's say that doesn't happen. Let's say he just kind of stays the same guy. He is who he is, league average guy. For the price they're paying him, that's perfect. That's what this rotation needs. And my thinking is you still need top shelf guys. Sure. And one guy is would make me very comfortable. If that doesn't happen, the rotation is so deep right now that you do leave yourself um, an opportunity that come to trade deadline, you can go and get that guy. So if this is how it is going into the, going into the season, I'm okay with it. I'm not thrilled about it. I'm still a little uncomfortable, but I can still see the Cubs putting out a good rotation um, despite maybe not going out and get one more guy. Okay. Let me ask you uh, a couple things. I've seen it pop up uh, just a little bit. I mean, you kind of know what Tyone is, right? He doesn't walk guys. He's not a big yeah, strikeout he's one of the guy. Best at that. Um, but just looking over some numbers, uh, barrel rate last couple years jumped a bit from his career norms, a little bit higher than league average. Um, you look at some of that stuff, like, does that does that concern you at all? Or is no. that just kind of the nature of the type of no. pitcher that he is? No, uh, it does not concern me. I, I don't, admittedly, I don't know what like the normal variance is on a barrel rate. It is a rare statistic, which is prone to high variance. I more so care about how the stuff moves, how he hits the edges, and how many walks he gives up and how many home runs he gives up. Like That's just kind of like what I go to. Yeah. Uh, and he's really good at all those. So <laughs> I'm going to default to those that are more projectable than looking at a very fine-tuned part of the bat that the ball hits sure um which is barrel right yeah just wanted to ask you're the guy to ask so um yeah i i mean i'm i'm obviously very comfortable with the signing i i i think it's a a fine contract for uh you know a hopefully reliable pitcher um who fits nicely into your rotation and uh, you know, again, like we were looking for perhaps that top of the rotation, that ace type guy, but, you know, we talked about like probably the Canario injury maybe affecting that, even if he wasn't going to be the piece that you moved, it still affects your, your feelings on your own system and your rankings and all of that. Um, and you know, you, you saw the way that the DeGrom and Verlander things played out, which just isn't where the Cubs are at. And I'm fine with that, right? Like, I think the the contract for DeGrom is a little nuts, uh, but the Rangers are kind of in a position where they have no choice but to be because of all the money that they've spent uh, on their middle infield, et cetera. Mm. And, you know, Verlander uh, going to the Mets short-term, but massive money. I think that would have been intriguing to the Cubs, but in terms of it being short-term and massive money, uh, but again, you know, you're dealing with a Mets team that has much more of an urgency to beat out any potential competitors uh, than the Cubs are going to be in a position to do. So I think this is a nice addition. I would love to see some further addition, um, you know, whether that's someone like Kodai Senga, uh, maybe you make a trade. Chris Bassett, whatever it is, uh, I think all the depth you can get yeah, I mean, I, is great. Ultimately, I would like one more. Yeah, I mean, right? the more the more depth, the better, because uh, I think, you know, right now you look at the way that it kind of shakes out. We've talked about a lot of this, um, but you'd love to see Hayden Wisniewski get an opportunity, but he's still going to be in, you know, his first full year 
uh, as a big leaguer, even if you throw him into the rotation on day one. So there's going to be some adjustments there. There's going to be some growing pains you have to expect. Kyle Hendricks has been working to, uh, you know, obviously we know he's going to be throwing 95 miles an hour next year. He's working on that. Uh, But you know, he's at a point in his career and, and with some of the injuries that you, you cannot be in a position to count on him, I would say, for anything, right? Um, no, you can't. You, yeah. you, we love Kyle on this podcast. We believe in him. But if you're building a roster, you cannot count on what his performance is going to be, just given the, the circumstances of that all. So I think the more you can lessen your reliance on Hendricks or your assumption that Hayden Wisniewski can just jump into the rotation and and continue the flashes of of brilliance that we saw in the second half of 2022, you know, the better, right? The further away you can get from that, the better. Um, You know, even someone like Justin Steele, right? He does not have a ton of you know, full year MLB starter experience under his belt, even though he was great in 2022, you would love to not be completely relying on him to repeat that performance, right? He had 120 innings alone, right. which is like, you know, a good uptick, but you know, may not be enough. Well, to and, and you know, relative to his career and just like how he was relieving starting, it's a lot, right? So it is huge believer in Justin. I think he's has a, a huge year coming. But in terms of how you're building a team, you would love to not put that pressure on someone in his situation that he has to deliver a, a, a similar result that he did last year because that's just not a, you know, it, on all those things, it's just not a safe play. And you'd love to lessen that pressure and not have to hinge yeah. your success or failure um, on some of those things that you, you know, maybe should not be hinging your success or failure on. I'm like so jaded by the way the offensive market is shaping out that like my even my thinking on the pitching uh, is is changing and that I you know I want to get one more pitcher like whether it's through free agency with Bassett maybe you go to the Marlins you get someone like Pablo Lopez who keeps popping up just in like you know discussions Mm -hmm. Um, you know if that happens I would love it. I, I I need a hitter, Corey. I'm like, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm okay, concerned. so as we wrap up here, let's throw throw me some names. Who who are some hitters maybe on the fringes of this market? Let's say they 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 go the Dansby route. Okay, they bring him to Chicago. Who are some hitters that can round out? this team that are available or that you have an interest in, whether it be a trade or a free agency, that you you would feel comfortable with that group in saying, this is not a, you know a, a world-dominating offense, but this is unquestionably a better offense. And this should be a, let's call it solid enough offense to compete. Maybe you call up some prospects. If you're in it, maybe you make a trade at the deadline and you can improve things. But let's let's say they do land Dansby, they make the play to land Dansby. How do you how do you build around that? How do you fill out some of the rest of this team to the point that you, Doctor Brendan Miller, are <laughs> are uh, you're like okay, I I feel okay about this. I feel better about this. Yeah, there, there's guys out there that you can see. Okay, like they could work. I mean, you look at someone like Trey Mancini, who kind of has that ability to hit for power. So similar to how we talk about Korea with. The good contact rate, the the power. Mancini does have those traits as well. Uh, he makes 
slightly league average contact, not like to like Korea. Korea's, you know, above league average, but Mancini makes about 75% contact, about league average. His power is about league average, 18 to 22 home runs in his potential. Uh, hit 35 home runs just three years ago. The projections for Mancini next season, 320 Woba, 107 WRC plus. Like you can see that working out being just fine. And then you look at someone on the older scale, perhaps someone like Justin Turner, who still had a great season last year. Can he play defense? We don't know. Uh, his outs above average was in the 20th percentile last season, but his offense didn't really suffer much. He had a 343 Woba, uh, 123 WRC+. He is also like those unique, rare hitters in that he makes a lot of contact, also has that power. Uh, he makes more contact than even Correa. He makes 82% contact. Uh, it's not going to have Correa's power potential anymore. He had 13 home runs last year, did Turner. Uh, and he also sees his pitches. So I can understand the desire to get Turner. The concern there is, can the age, will the age be a significant factor? And how does the Cubs roster from a flexibility standpoint defensively work with someone who might be restricted defensively in Justin Turner? And then one other name that might be interesting is uh, Brandon Drury. Uh, so he had a 350 weighted on base average last season. Uh, his expected Wobo is a little bit lower, but whatever, his actual Wobo is 350. Uh, has a lot more power potential. Might be that guy to um, give you some of that pop that you're, that you're missing. Uh, 30 years old, hit 28 home runs last season. Uh, he does not walk much. His chase rate is... Um, you know, bad. Uh, so over the last few seasons, let's say in 2021 with the Mets, he had a trace rate of 41% last season, did get better down to 32%, but his career rate is at 33%. Again, the league average race around 29%. Um, so he's that aggressive guy, but he does make contact. He's not going to strike out. He just kind of gives you that like worse, that like lower level Nick Castellanos feel where it's really aggressive. Um, might be too aggressive for some instances, but, uh, when he does make contact, he ends up barreling it. So th those three guys could work out, right? But you can see some of the limitations in all three of them. Drury with playing time, with the hyper-aggressive approach. Turner with the age. Mancini with uh, the, the the variable power over the past few years and how he finished off in Houston uh, struggling. So those are the limitations there. Yeah. All right. Well, there are some names. Also, there's one guy named Carlos Correa. Correa oh, that makes sense. is I he know. good? Have you heard of him? Yeah, I have. Yeah, might be available. How do you think he'll play when he's 40? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, uh, it's it's a weird spot. Um, weird week. You know, because ultimately not not that much has, has happened. I mean, in a way, a lot has happened. But, you know, Xander off the board is, is really the main thing. It's just the terms, uh, the team, and all of that that kind of throw things for a little bit of a loop. But... Players are still there. Like I said earlier, uh, the two shortstops that remain, I think really since the beginning, we've heard that Correa's been the guy for a long time and, and Swanson kind of emerged as, as a pretty interested target uh, in this particular offseason. They're still there. So yeah. let's see what Jed does. Uh, as I always say, you know, we'll judge the offseason when it's done and when we have a team for 2023 and they're showing up in uh, sunny Arizona to get spring training underway. We'll see. We'll see what that team looks yeah. like, and then we'll we'll react to all of it. 
Um, I mean, this could all be moot. They could go out and sign Correa, and if they do that, then poof, the, the, the prospects of this team winning next season go dramatically up. The following season, and a lot of this conversation, while justifiable, uh, would be a very, very welcome distance in the past yeah. that they're moving beyond this. You know, I would also remind, uh, in case anybody's listening, I feel like signing someone like Carlos Correa is a good business decision uh, for a team that had waning attendance, lowest since 1997, bad TV ratings. Um, I feel like a lot of people would spend probably a lot of money on some merch. I would, you would think so. I, I, I really would think that. Uh, and I think more of them would go to the ballpark to watch him play. I think they would, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. But what do I know? I'm not a businessman. So Fair enough. what do I know? Um, I think that's what we have for you. As we've, as we've said, uh, it's an interesting time. Things happen very quickly. Um, we're all ready. Uh, we've been waiting to do an emergency podcast. I wouldn't even really call the Cody Bellinger one. It was an instant reaction. I don't know that I would call it an emergency podcast. Um, but we're, we're ready. We would love to do it. Um, that's just where this is. Uh, so Brendan and I will come back with you next week, hopefully at some point sooner uh, with, with you know the rest of the gang, the CHGO Cubs gang, to break things down, and, and hopefully it's an exciting move. Uh, but, you know, either way, uh, I get where everybody's coming from. A lot of runway, a lot of players, a lot of potential still left in this offseason. But I do think it's fair, you know, for the sentiment as it's been as this week has gone on to kind of reflect that the Cubs should have a fire lit under them from their fan base. Um, It's not over yet, but they should understand that they got to get some of this stuff done. However they want to do it, they have to put a better, a much better product on the field in 2023. Um, and, and let me, and just to finish this off and just again, I guess maybe I'm in a negative mood right now. This, this sometimes happens when we do these podcasts at the end, but if they miss out on Dansby and Korea, oh, that, that is going to be the most heated podcast I think we ever do. Corey, you, if, can you imagine that you come away with no shortstops? Not good. I no, I don't want to think about that. <laughs> um, and I'm going to try I actually worry about, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, it's it's a weird spot, as as is always the case, right? Like, I'm just so desperate for this team to get better, <laughs> you know? I'm not even going to say the usual thing. I just want them to sign good players. Like, well, I just I I want them it. to get better, you know? And, and like, Tyone is a nice ad. I, I've, since the beginning, been supportive of the Cody Bellinger ad. But, like, we're, we're not at the point at all where, like, this offseason is better than last offseason and that this team is in a better place. They're not. They lost their best offensive contributor. They have a lot of work to do. There's time. There's opportunity. There's players. There's contracts to be had. But I, you know, I would be lying to all of you if I said I wasn't a little uneasy right now. I'm uh, sick of being uneasy. Right. And look, go out there and prove it, Jed. You know, it's your time your team go out there and and let's let's see what you can do right we're all root, we're all rooting for you you know what i mean like very, very I, don't faith. <laughs> I don't have any faith very but i'm rooting deeply. for you um so let's see uh either way live shows of course uh always at 120 back with you uh chgo cubs on youtube on monday brendan back with you uh brendan and i back with you next friday and hopefully 
some emergency podcasts to talk about uh, some of the big signings or moves that the Cubs have made. Uh, But as always, we thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you supporting everything going on at CHGO. Don't forget to sign up using code CHGO when you sign up at DraftKings Sportsbook. Brendan and I will talk to you next week. And whether we're feeling horribly pessimistic, optimistic, or anywhere in between, as always, go Cubs.